0: Let's pray together. Father we thank you for this uh, series that we're doing looking at the life of Moses and for some of us it's a familiar story uh, and yet Lord we know that you speak through your word and we ask Lord that you would uh, refresh us and renew us as we uh, consider this important passage this evening to speak to each one of us I pray in Jesus name. Amen. Well, we've reached chapter 12 in our series on the life of Moses, and uh, two weeks ago, uh, last week we were at the cathedral, the week before that, Augustine spoke um, to us and took us on a whistle-stop whistle tour of the plagues uh, and showed how they were linked to the Egyptian gods. Um, and in chapter 11, um, we have the final plague, and it's really quite, a, I think, the most shocking and the most disturbing of all the plagues, the plague on the firstborn. And uh, I don't know about you, but as I heard that read, story read again, it just sends a shiver down my spine. God had outgunned all of the Egyptians, Egyptian gods, but still, Pharaoh refused to let his people go. So it's in this, following this final plague, the slaughter of the firstborn, that eventually um, Pharaoh lets God's people go. And we read from the palace to the servant quarters to the cattle sheds, um, there was an awful slaughter of the firstborn. Um, I think we can become very familiar, can't we, with these these passages, these verses, but I want us to try and think, what would it have been like for the Hebrews to hear this message, that actually God's rescue plan was all about a lamb? It must have been quite staggering for them. You know, how on earth is a little lamb going to be able to help them in their situation? And of course, we know for us as Christians, the lamb also plays an important part in our understanding of salvation. Last week, we um, commemorated the 75th anniversary of D Day. And um, it's astonishing to think there are still men and women alive who have vivid memories of what happened on that day in 1944. And I, uh, I heard one of the commentators asking the question, how will, we, how will we keep these memories alive when the veterans are gone? He recognized that remembering is important for our nation, and yet without these eyewitnesses, um, how are we going to remember all that went on? And remembering is a constant theme in the Bible. The Bible often asks us to look back and keep in mind what happened in the past as we look into the future. And the passage this evening has got a lot to say about remembering. Um, And we're going to, as I say, going to try and imagine how the Hebrews who first heard these instructions may have thought, how they may have reacted. And there's a number of surprises about God's instructions. So the first surprise is that God's rescue involves a lamb. Thank you, Tim. He's anticipating what I'm saying. Um, verse 1 of chapter 12 says, The Lord said to Moses in there in Egypt, This month is, for you, is to be for you the first month, the first month of your year. So but before the event which God wants his people to remember has happened, God is giving instructions about how they must keep this memory alive in their community. Doesn't it remind you of how Jesus gave his disciples a way to remember his sacrifice by sharing it in a meal together before he faces the cross? But in these verses, there's a double announcement. It's important that the people hear what God is about to do, and it's important they keep on remembering that annually, not just within their lifetimes, but for future generations. The Passover will become a family festival, and a way to share the story of God's rescue down through the generations. And so God tells them, this is how you're going to start each new year. They will begin each new year by remembering that they had been slaves in Egypt and how God had liberated them. And it all came about through the slaughter of a lamb. But as so often happens in scripture, we have a reference to another time. It points forward to Jesus To another lamb who would die, and in a fresh and a wonderful way, God's people would begin all over again. And they would look back and remember a rescue for all people, for all time, for those who put their trust in the lamb that died. So, why was the lamb so important for this great rescue in Egypt, and what does that teach us as Christians about Jesus, the Lamb of God? Well, let's listen to the instructions in verse 2. It says, tell the whole community of Israel that on the 10th day of this month, each man is to take a lamb for his family, one for each household. So each family is to have a lamb, and it must be a male without defect. And the family must look after it for 14 days before it's sacrifice." It says that in verse 6, it says, take care of them until the 14th day. It seems to be a very strange instruction, doesn't it? When we lived in Pakistan, um, in the area we lived, which was all Muslim families, um, during Eid, um, people would, um, every family in the street, would either have a sheep or a goat, um, um, what else, sheep, goat or cow, (laughs) and sometimes people had a camel if they were very wealthy, and uh, what would happen is that these animals would be tied up during the day, and then at night, in the cool of the evening, you could see the children uh, walking the animals down the street. It was a most bizarre scene, um, and particularly because they would also um, decorate the animals. they put tinsel around their necks. Sometimes they'd paint spots onto the animals, onto the cows, pink spots. And the children used to get um, very attached to the animals. And, uh, of course, when they saw them sacrificed by the local imam who came round with his very sharp knife, um, it was quite distressing for them. And I remember seeing the children being upset because this animal had been killed. And I think this modern-day practice, because it's still happening in the Islamic world, doesn't happen here, obviously, but in other parts of the world it does, can help us understand why the Hebrews are asked to do this. The command is to keep the animals for 14 days so that they would get to know their animals and recognize that it was to be costly to sacrifice This lamb. The Lord wanted them to understand the price that would be paid to atone for their sins. And the only way in which they're going to be delivered was by that lamb being sacrificed. Deliverance would only happen by the shedding of a lamb's blood. This is why they were given such strange instructions. Just imagine how strange it would have been told to kill the animal and collect the blood and then get a a paintbrush and then apply the blood to the door frames of the house. So why was it important to obey these instructions? Well, the Lord explains to Moses and Aaron in advance what will happen in verses 12 and 13. It says, on that same night, I will pass through Egypt and strike down every firstborn of both people and animals and I will bring judgment on all the gods of Egypt. I am the Lord. The blood will be a sign for you on the houses where you are. When I see the blood, I will pass over. No destructive plague will touch you when I strike Egypt. So on that night, blood was shed in every household. The big question was, whose blood was shed? Because in every home, there was a death. The difference was that in the Hebrew homes who had obeyed the instructions, it was a lamb that had died. And those were the houses that the Lord passed over. It may be as the Hebrews were trying to understand why um, they had to follow these instructions. Perhaps they remember the story of Abraham, the story of their forefather who was asked to sacrifice his own son Isaac. But as he lifts the knife, he is told to stop. And there in the thicket is a ram, a male lamb. God provides the sacrifice and as Isaac is saved. And if we fast forward to the Passover in the first century Jerusalem, Jesus is arriving in Jerusalem at the very time of the Passover feast. And as he arrives, did he hear, I wonder, the noise of the sheep, lambs that have been brought into the city in readiness for the Passover? And did Jesus think about those lambs? And did he think how it pointed? to his own death. When he began his ministry just three years earlier, it was his cousin, John the Baptist, who when he saw Jesus said, look, the Lamb of God. And now Jesus was to face his own death. He was God's Lamb. God would provide the sacrifice once again. And by his blood, it would cover everyone who believed by faith that his death was for them. That's why Moses tells the people in verse 14, this is a day you are to commemorate for generations to come. Because every time it was told, it pointed forward to the time when Jesus, the Lamb of God, would give his own life as a sacrifice. But this wasn't the only surprise, because next we see that God's rescue was for the whole community. I may have told this story before, forgive me if I have, but I remember once traveling in a taxi near the border to Afghanistan, and I was trying to make conversation with the taxi driver in my faltering Urdu, and I saw up ahead of us a village on the side of the mountain. And typical for that part of the world, it had a wall all all the way around the village. And I asked the taxi driver, how many families do you think live in that village? And he looked at me as if I was asking a daft question, and then he said, one. See, in that moment, I gave away that although I was trying to communicate with him in the local language, I was still an individualistic Westerner who looked at the world as full of individuals. In these verses, we see that the Lord gives instructions for the whole community, not for individuals. And this may have been a bit of a surprise for the Hebrews because they've been living in a culture where you could choose your own God from a range on offer. And Augustine helped us to see that uh, two weeks ago. As he took us through the plagues and explained that God was showing that he was, how he was stronger than all the gods of Egypt. Families could choose their own gods from a catalogue of deities on offer. But the one true God speaks to his people as one. You may recall how Moses, when he first goes to Pharaoh, back in chapter 4, verse 22, he says, This is what the Lord says, Israel is my firstborn. God sees this community of downtrodden, exploited slaves as his firstborn, his special people. Now, we're not supposed to have favorites, are we? But there is something special about your firstborn child. And the Lord asked them to follow these instructions together as one people. He was going to save them together. John Wesley said, the Bible knows nothing of solitary religion. And I think this is one of the greatest threats to the church, the idea that you can be a Christian but not go to church. But there's something else here which helps us to see Christ's death and sacrifice in a deeper way. The Passover was an act for the whole community, and um, it was a, they were asked to all sacrifice their lambs at the same time. And this once-for-all aspect of the Passover foreshadows what the book of Hebrews describes as the sacrifice of the body of Jesus once for all. And the New Testament is littered with examples of how we are not just a bunch of individuals. We belong to each other. We're a body with many parts, We're a temple being built together with living stones. We are more than a group of individuals who come together. God's plan has always been for us as a community. Finally, we see that God's rescue involved the bread that they ate. Now, ancient Egypt was into yeast in a big way. They had um, pioneered the use of yeast in both brewing beer and making bread, apparently. And I read, um, just as I was preparing this um, last week, that a group of Israeli scientists early this month published some research to say that they had found strains of yeast on shards of ancient pottery. The yeast had survived for 5,000 years. For the Hebrews living in Egypt, we can safely assume that yeast was part of their diet too, and in light of this research, it's interesting that the reference is made to yeast in the Lord's instructions for his rescue plan. Look in verse 14. He said, this is a day you are to commemorate. For the generations to come, you shall celebrate it as a festival to the Lord, a lasting ordinance. For seven days you are to eat bread made without yeast. And We don't really know why the Hebrews were told to abstain from, from uh, using uh, yeast during Passover. One writer um, says this, it was perhaps a reminder that God was doing more than taking them out of Egypt. He was taking Egypt out of them. This um, is also referred to in the New Testament. The Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 5 says, don't you know that a little yeast leavens a whole batch of dough? Get rid of the old yeast so that you may be a new unleavened batch as you really are. For Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed. And as we come to communion, as we come to remember Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed for us. Let's examine our hearts. Repent of our sins. And then finally, in conclusion... We end by considering just the manner in which they are told to eat the Passover meal. In verse 11, they're told, this is how you are to eat it. With your cloak tucked into your belt, your sandals on your feet, and your staff in your hand. Eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. Have you ever eaten a meal like that? A rushed meal as you walk out the door on your way to somewhere important. They, they were to eat their meal ready to leave quickly with their cloaks tucked into their belts, their sandals on, their staff in their hand. A reminder that the saving act of the Passover is just the beginning of the journey of faith. It may have saved them, but there is so much more to discover. Salvation isn't an end in itself, it's the beginning of getting to know the God who saves us. That is one of the many lessons which the Passover teaches us. The getting saved, bit is just the beginning of the journey, the long journey of faith that uh, God was to take the Hebrews on through the desert and takes us on as we continue to grow in our faith and in our love for the Lord Jesus. So, now as we move into a time to remember, we recall how our Passover lamb was sacrificed for us once and for all. Amen. We're going to, as we prepare to receive um, the bread and wine, and we're, I'm just going to be reading um, from 1 Corinthians 11 this evening. Um, uh, and as we prepare to receive uh, the bread and wine, we're going to sing together, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away our sin. Let's stand together.